Get ready, Vikings Nation. Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days, where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the Purple and Gold universe, delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. What's going on, everybody? This is Justin from Purple and Gold for Days, and this is a Vikings First in Skull production. What's going on, everybody? It is great to have you with me. Well, the Minnesota Vikings, once again, were close, but no cigar. Well, we kept it close. We were within seven points of the world champions. Okay, that's great. But once again, we fumbled the ball all over the place. Oh, sure. A couple of bad calls from the ref. But the refs ain't what caused us to lose against Kansas City. Kansas City's just ridiculous, particularly Patrick Mahomes. But having said all of that, we got a big showdown game tomorrow with the Chicago Bears. It's the one in four bowl. Ugh. So ridiculous. With all that being said, the Vikings got to get a W here. Otherwise, boy, oh, boy. Where are we going to find some more W's on this schedule? We'll talk about the big matchups. We'll talk a little bit about how in the world we can turn this season around. But before I do so, if you don't already subscribe to Vikings First and Skull on YouTube, find them on YouTube and hit that subscribe button. And if you don't already subscribe to Purple and Gold for Days, find me on YouTube, hit that subscribe button, and help us grow this Vikings community. We got a game against Chicago. We got Justin Jefferson. We got Kirk Cousins being asked about his trade status and him dipsy doodling around to avoid the question at all costs. And we might skip up to the top of the food chain before we're done. Bottom feeders, the Minnesota Vikings and the Chicago Bears. It's time to just call it for what it is. We are bottom feeders. Denver, bottom feeder. Chicago, Minnesota, bottom feeders. The rest of those teams that are all tied at one and four and Carolina at 0 and five. Again, we've only gotten one victory against Carolina. We are just bottom feeders. And what's interesting about this is the Chicago Bears general manager interviewed for the Vikings job before the will said no. And he got to Chicago. And why? Because he wanted to do what is inevitably coming at the end of this season going into the 2024 season. So, yeah, we wouldn't have had last year's 13 and four, all those comeback wins and all the fun that we have. And I've said it a million times. We don't need to give those wins back. We don't need to pretend they don't exist. But what was it worth? A wild card round exit. And so at the end of the day, we're going to start a rebuild or a reload, whatever you want to call it, in 2024. And we're going to be two years behind the Bears rebuild. Now, I'm not saying that the Bears are on the fast track because they're certainly not. And again, Justin Fields has had one and a half good games. Let's just call it two games. That's been pretty good this year, but he only won one game. So I'm not saying he's figured it out yet. And I'm not saying the Bears have figured it out yet. All I know is that the Bears are two years ahead of us because we decided we wanted to go with Quazy, who invariably probably wanted to do the same things that uh, polls did but the will said no and quasi said all right we'll do it your way so i can have this job and he probably said to him all right if we do it your way and it doesn't work any better than it worked with zimmer and spielman then at some point you gotta let me do my job because here's my here's my overarching point Quasi Dolfamensa. 
if you're going to force him to play by the same rules in the same playbook that Rick Spielman had to play with, which is we're always going to be competitive. We never take a step back. We don't trade up very often. Then why the hell did you fire Rick Spielman? If you're just going to bring the next guy in and say, you've got to do the same thing, which is we never, ever, ever take a step back. We never tank. We never throw a season. Okay, I'm not asking you to tank or throw a season. What I am asking you is don't push your chips all in every single year to end up mediocre. It's like playing in a poker tournament. You don't put all your chips in every hand. You put your ante in every hand, and then you say, oh, I'm sitting this hand out. I ain't got no hand here that I want to play. And at some point, the Wilfs need to understand that. But we're going to get back to the Wilfs later. In this extravaganza. But for right now, I don't care who wins this game. Obviously, I'm never going to cheer against the Vikings. I'm always going to cheer for them to win. If they lose, am I all that disappointed at this point? No, because they got one win. (laughs) So (laughs) if they lose again, am I really going to be upset? No, not really. I've said short-term pains, long-term gains. But at the same time, it's like, why would you allow this team? This team doesn't deserve us to be upset when they lose. This team hasn't earned the right for us to be disappointed when they lose. This team constantly is turning the ball over. And after this many weeks, it's not just a couple of bad plays, a couple of bad luck. The football gods are really taking it all back for giving us all of the luck they gave us last year in spades. We're paying the Pied Piper known as the football gods. So, yeah, just just understand that it sucks to say this, particularly after, you know, five weeks. But we are bottom feeders. And this notion of, oh, well, we just need to beat the Bears. And after we lose to the 49ers, because we are going to get mollywopped by the 49ers. I think pretty much everybody knows that. Even the most optimistic homers know we ain't beating San Francisco. But the point is, we'd be two and five at that point. And then we can go on a five-game winning streak. I'm not going to go through it again because y'all heard me go through it on Monday and have heard me go through it a couple times, actually. A 2-5 and five team that only would have victories over Carolina and Chicago, you think, has got to win five games in a row? Stop the cap. Stop the cap, y'all. Oh, we can go 4-1. and one. To what end? Then we'd be 6-6. Six and six. Big deal. You're not beating the Lions this year. I don't even think you're going to beat the Lions at home. Not the way they're playing. Not with their offensive and defensive lines. I don't think so. But that's neither here nor there. We'll figure that out in December. But I'm not saying tank. I've said that a million times. I refuse that. Absolutely not. But we'll touch on it later. Right now, I don't even know which way I'm going with this game, if I'm being honest with you. I'm going to have to do uh, a pick at some point, <laughs> and I still don't know where I'm going. Going into the season, I originally had the Vikings losing because I figured the Chicago Bears in Soldier Field mystique. But then I switched it and said, you know what? I'm going to have them four and three after the first seven games, losing to Philly, losing to Kansas City, and losing to Sac- uh, San Francisco. And then beating the other four teams. In other words, beating the teams you're supposed to beat and losing to the teams that are better than you. Well, they didn't quite hold up their end of the bargain now, did they? But having said that, before this Justin Jefferson injury, I had it as probably 60-40 Vikings. And now I've got it flipped the other way. I'm not saying that I'm picking the Bears just yet. But right now, the way they played, the fact that they got their mini buy and they got three extra days of rest, they're going to be at home. 
for the uh, ceremonial Dick Buckus thing? Yeah. Without us having Justin Jefferson, oh boy, it's going to be a long day. I'm not saying that it's that it's impossible for us to win, but I'm saying it's it, it's going to be a long day. It's going to be a long day. If you hadn't heard, Jay Glazer said he thinks more than 50-50 the Vikings are going to keep Kirk. I totally disagree with him. I totally disagree with him. It would be suicide if they did. I'll say it one more time. If you don't know, how, if you're not up to a certain level on how the salary cap works, Kirk Cousins has a $28.5 million dead cap hit if he is not retained. If he is retained, let's just say one year, 10 of that will go on to the 2024 cap, and the other 18 and a half will be dead on the 2025 cap. Number one, Kirk Cousins ain't going to give you no discount. And the discount he was offering before was so menial, but everybody wanted a credit card. Oh, he offered to take a discount. Yeah, he offered to take a discount from 42 and a half million to 37 and a half million. That doesn't really move the needle, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm not suggesting that Kirk owes the Vikings a, a discount. I'm not saying that at all. Get as much money as you can. Every play. I'm not talking about anybody's money. I'm talking about how are you going to rebuild this roster? So Daniel Jones gets 40 million. So Kirk is going to say, well, I want at least that, if not a couple million more. So let's just say they give him one year, 42 million. His cap hit would then be 52 million. You got a cap hit of 14 million for uh, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, you got at least 20 for JJ, if not more. I'm sorry. It, it literally is impossible to keep him because you cannot. Uh, we got what? 24, 37 free, 30 some free agents. Let's just say. How are you going to build a team of 53 guys when you have three guys making $90 million of your salary cap? I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. Justin Jefferson, hamstrung. See what I did? Hamstring, hamstrung. Yeah. Okay. In all seriousness, he's going to be out at least four weeks as they put him on injury reserve. And to that, I say, bravo, Vikings. Bravo. Don't just let him sit for a week or two and put him back out there in what ultimately might be meaningless games. Protect Justin Jefferson from himself is what I said right after that injury. I am so glad. I mean, I hate the idea of watching a Vikings game without Justin Jefferson. So let me be clear when I say I'm glad that they did it. I'm saying it in the context of I'm glad they didn't give Jefferson the option of trying to convince them that he was okay just to go out there and worsen the injury. Okay, that's what I mean. When I say I'm happy the Vikings took matters into their own hands and took matters out of Justin Jefferson's hands. Okay. Now, I'm not suggesting that the Vikings keep him on IR for eight weeks just for the sake of, you know, kind of throwing the towel in, if you get what I'm saying. If he's out for eight weeks because he needs that much time to heal, fine. I'm okay with that. But I'm really glad, as I said, that. This came out real quick. Like, nah, he's going on injured reserve right the hell now. Okay, so that's four games. So he's going to miss Chicago, San Francisco. Unfortunately, Green Bay. I kind of wish he was playing in Green Bay so he can shut Jair Alexander the hell up. But anyway, and then he'll miss the Atlanta game so he can be back as soon as the Saints game. Honestly, I don't put Justin Jefferson out there until... The doctors convince me that he's 100%. I don't want Justin Jefferson out there at 85%. I don't want him out there at 90 or 95%. I want him out there at 100%. I don't want him to. I get it. He's a competitor. 
we all competitive on some levels and he's competitive way higher than us. I get that. But seriously, no, I am not putting you in harm's way when there's no reason to. So that's just my thoughts. I'll say this. I've been clamoring for about three weeks. You trade Hunter. You trade Harry to Hitman. If you can get anything for Ezra Cleveland and replace him with Dalton Reisner, because Ezra Cleveland, for the same reasons as KJ Osborne, will not be back here next year either. I'm just saying. Why would you let assets walk out the door for nothing? And I don't want to hear about compensatory picks. I am so tired of hearing about, well, we'll get a 2025 compensatory pick. If you can get a second round pick for Daniil Hunter in 2024, why the hell would you want to get a fourth round pick in 2025? I mean, honestly. And it's not that, and I don't think you're going to be able to get much for Harrison Smith. You might be able to get a five, a five, maybe a four if you find a team desperate enough, but that's really about it. Ezra Cleveland, you could probably get a four if you find a team desperate enough. KJ Osborne probably net you a five. And you can say, well, Justin, you're talking about fourth and fifth round picks. It's not worth it. Yes, it is. Because something is better than nothing. Something is better than nothing. Now, I agree. We need to trade Kirk. Particularly if we lose to Chicago and we're one and six after seven games, you go to Kirk and be like, hey, dude, you want to stick around for this mess or give us a list? I've said it before. I'll say it again. Give us a list of teams. Get your agent on the phone with those teams and see if you can get a contract extension. If you got one that'll give you an extension, let's go. Let's ride. You know, it's kind of one of those deals where it just kind of is what it is. And yes, if you do find a way to move on from him, you absolutely give Jaron Hall the rest of the season. I don't want to hear about no Sean Mannion. I don't want to hear about any slappy you come up with off the streets. Absolutely not. You let you let Jaron Hall figure out if he's got something. And if he doesn't have anything, then you know, all right, we're going to have to draft a quarterback. And if he looks halfway decent, okay, then you can decide. Are we going to take a quarterback? Or are we going to try to bolster the offensive line and defensive lines or linebackers or cornerbacks? If he's halfway decent, I'm not holding my breath on it, but I'd like to see Jaron Hall get the opportunity for 10 games, but that's just me. Will they be sellers? Ziggy and Mark Wilf, the owners of the team who we all know made a lot of money in construction where you got to buy and sell stuff. Okay. That's great. Ziggy and Mark Wilf have owned this team for 18 seasons prior to this one. This is year number 19 and I've done this, but I'm setting it up for a little bit. They have had four seasons of six wins or fewer. They have had four seasons with 11 wins or more, and they've had 10 seasons with seven to 10 wins. They are the definition of a gravitational pull to 500. Why? Why, why, why? The Wills came in here saying, we don't want to be one of those teams that's up for two years and down for a couple of years and then up for four years. And I said, what? You want to be stuck in the middle? That doesn't make any sense to me. Because going up and down on the roller coaster is better than being a train staying in the middle. Yes, you have a better shot of winning the Super Bowl if you have up and down years. It's just like that poker analogy I used a moment ago. You don't put all your chips in every single hand. And that's effectively what they have done. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're cheap. They put a bucket load of money into TCO, and they have paid a lot of money. The problem is, is that they've paid it in the wrong spots. They didn't pay offensive and defensive lines. They paid it to a quarterback who is good, not great. They paid it to a running back. They played it to a linebacker, you know, non-premium positions outside a quarterback. And you gave elite money to a guy who is not an elite quarterback. 
Now, I understand it at the time. You thought you had a Super Bowl roster. I endorsed the Kirk Cousins move. I didn't like how much money it was, but I bought the logic. And I also bought that they only signed him for three years. So after two or three, if you want to get out, you could. And after two years, losing to San Francisco in the divisional round was the time to pivot. It was the time to get out. Everything I said earlier about selling players who are pending free agents, who you know damn well you're not going to bring back, you're probably not bringing back Hunter. You for dang sure are not bringing back KJ Osborne or Ezra Cleveland. You're probably not bringing him back Harry to Hitman. You gotta, you gotta get something for these guys. Particularly if you lose to Chicago this coming Sunday, there is no reason, none, particularly when you're gonna then lose to San Francisco and be one and six a week and change before the trading deadline. Will they be sellers? I don't know. I am hoping that Kwesi, for whatever we want to say about his drafts and whatever we want to say about him taking chances on players with injury history, I'm going to remind people one more time, and let me be clear. I am not saying that Kwesi Dofamensa walks on water and that he is not um, in any way absolved from some of the crap that's gone down in the first year and a half of his, his regime. But I'll remind you guys that when he took over as general manager, this team was in salary cap hell. It still is to an extent. And it was going to take two or three years to clean up that mess. So when Kwesi is given the directive from the Wilfs that we are not going to take a couple years off, we are just going to keep on marching. You have your marching orders. And this is the reason why I fired Rick Spielman because he'd been taking those same marching orders and wasn't getting anywhere with it. And that's the reason I hired you and not the polls guy. The poll guy said, Hey, this is what I'm going to do. If you hire me, they said, nah, they said, hell nah. I want to see you guys run it back one season and see where we get. I want to see if it was Mike Zimmer. I want to see what you and my new coach can do. And again, it was a short term move. That's going to have consequences. And we're seeing the consequences this year already. And best be believing we're going to see more of them next year. (laughs) We're going to see a lot more of them in the next year and a half. I'm just being honest with you. But what I'm saying about Kwesi is I don't like his drafts so far, other than Jordan Addison. I don't like that draft day trade with Detroit last year and not getting Detroit's fifth first round pick this year. I've said that a few times, but I'm and I don't like what he has done in free agency, but I understand why he went down that road because he had limited resources and he had owners that gave him the marching orders of saying this is how you're going to do it. And to that Ziggy and Mark, here's what I don't understand. If your intent was to fire Spielman and Zimmer because they had run their course and it was time to move on, Okay, so why do you bring in another GM and another head coach, but force them to use the same playbook that the guys you just fired were using? That doesn't make any sense. If there, there is no separation between Rick Spielman and Quasi Dofa Mensa if they have to play with Ziggy and Mark Wilf's playbook, which is we don't take a step back. We just keep going. We're going to stay mediocre because we don't want to be bad, even though bad might get you a chance to be great. It's not a guarantee, okay? Of course it's not a guarantee. You could take a step back and you could be end up being bad for three, four years. Or you can be bad for one and two years and then actually rise like a phoenix. And at some point, 
maybe contend for a Super Bowl. The objective is not to be, it's not dare to be mediocre. It's dare to be great. And to a certain extent, as I have said a few times, the Wills care more about not being bad than they do about being great. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that they don't want to win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. But I don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. Okay. It's, you want to know why they like Kirk? Because he keeps them from, up until this season, he keeps them from being a six-win team or less. He's also a gravitational pull to 500. Yes, after 13-4 and four last year, he finally was finally above 500. Starting at the year last year, he was exactly 500, or maybe one game over. It doesn't really matter. He's basically a 500 quarterback. Well, that's not all Kirk's fault. I didn't say it was his fault. I'm just saying it is what it is. Better or worse, it doesn't matter. It is what it is. You know, the thing about the Wilson Kirk Cousins is they're comfortable with Kirk. And they don't want to take a risk of being uncomfortable. Five years plus, they have had a relationship with Kirk Cousins as their quarterback, and they hang their hats on quarterback stability. Quarterback stability, in theory, is a good thing. But when that quarterback stability leads your team to mediocrity, then what the hell good is that stability? There is no good to it. There just isn't. Here's what Ziggy and Mark Wolf need to do. They need to ask themselves, okay, we've put a lot into this. We've put a lot of money into this. We put a lot of time into this. We put a lot of energy into this. At what point are we not going to be content with it anymore? You know, some of us here in Vikings land, whether we're content creators or fans, all that other good stuff, we're no longer, or at least a lot of us are no longer content with mediocrity. And I understand that it's a risk, but it's a risk worth taking if you want to be great. You know, it's, it's like you've been seeing somebody and you care about each other, but you fight all the time. And at some point, you just can't get away from the inevitability. Yes, you can keep trying the same thing with the same person who you are comfortable with. Again, I've referred to Kirk as that comfortable six. And before Kirk, other than that one year of Favre, you've been dealing with threes and fours. So now that you've got this six who gives you comfortability and for the most part, gives you to either be mediocre or slightly above mediocre. You know, do you kick that six to the curb under the fear of you might get a three or four? Well, the reward is you might get a seven, eight or nine. They don't want to take that risk. And why I gave that whole spiel about Quazy is this. I think Quazy might have negotiated or at least set up with the wills to say, okay, we'll give you a year or two doing it your way. And maybe that he says to them, okay, I'm going to come to you at some point and let you know it's time to go. It's time to move on. And moving on is tough in any walk of life, whether you're a billionaire or, and it can be any kind of relationship. It can be professional, personal, whatever. At some point, if you've gone as far as you can go with this person, with this quarterback, then at some point, why do you want to keep going on? 
when you know you're not going to get anything better. You've tried to build this roster around Kirk and his salary. And again, I'm not saying he's overpaid per se. I mean, if you, you get what you can get in the NFL, I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying that from a roster construction standpoint, we have tried and tried and tried to surround him with talent. Again, he's a good quarterback, not, a, not an elite quarterback. He's a good quarterback, sometimes very good, but that's it. And he's not going to be able to overcome this roster deficiency. He's just not. I saw a meme a few years ago with Michael Scott, and there was two of them. And on the top, it was him and Jan. And on the bottom, it was him and Holly. And the caption read, if you don't let go of your Jan, you may never find your Holly. It took Michael forever to let go of Jan. And once he finally did, he met Holly. And of course, we all know, you know, Holly was gone for a while and then she came back and then, you know, how it goes. But the point is, is that, yes, if you let go of your Jan, you might realize that you couldn't do any better than that Jan. But if you let go of that Jan, you might find your Holly. Or you might think that the Jan you have is your Holly. And you know what? At some point, you got to try something else. You know, at some point, you got to realize that you tried everything. You tried so hard. You tried every conceivable idea you can think of. But realistically, you got you to gotta make a move. You got to just say to yourself, okay, I don't want to make this move because I'm scared to, because of the inherent risk that comes with it. But otherwise, you're just going to stay stagnant. And nothing's going to change. Absolutely nothing's going to change. Nothing. And if you do decide to make that move and say, okay, I'm going to say goodbye to that Jan, that comfortable six that Kirk Cousins is, it's going to hurt for a while because your team's going to be bad. Or at the very least, it's going to take a step back. I shouldn't say bad. It's going to take a step back. And then you're going to be saying to yourself, you're Ziggy Mark Wolf, did I make the right choice? In your head, you know it's the right choice if you've been convinced by Quasi or Kevin O'Connell or some kind of combination thereof. Okay. In your head, you know you made the right move, but there will be days where your heart will tell you, boy, I'm not sure that I made the right move. And you start doubting yourself. You start doubting your choices because as human beings, we are the sum of every choice we make. One choice leads to the next. And when it's all said and done, we are the sum of our choices. And sometimes you make choices with the information you have available to you and you think you are making the best choice that you could in that moment. And you can even know to yourself, this is the right choice. But that doesn't mean that there aren't times where you wonder that you don't think back and wonder if there was a parallel course that you could have taken or the same destination. There are times where like, I think Quasi is being pulled in like four different directions. I think he's got his agenda. I think KOC has an agenda. Mark and Ziggy have an agenda. And of course, the players have an agenda. And he's got to balance them all. He's getting pulled in three or four different directions. And he's got to be the one that tries to fix everybody's problem. And at some point, he says, all right, I'm going to let this problem go. Not so much that it's a problem per se, but it's one of those things where you can't fix them all. You can't fix them all simultaneously. 
And you got to make a choice. Which one of these am I going to fix first? And which one of these am I going to fix next? And you can say that about every aspect in life. You know, it's, it's just kind of one of those deals where they have to just do what they have to do. And right after they make the decision and their team is not so good next year, theoretically, they might be improved in some areas, but not in others. It's going to be tough. It's going to hurt. And it's going to be one of those deals where you question yourself. You question yourself and what was this? Why did I do this? Why didn't I keep what I had? Why did I let that go? I don't know. Maybe because you tried everything. And maybe you thought there would be another option. But I'm just here to tell you. If you've tried every avenue, and again, conceivably, I I think that the Vikings have tried every avenue that they can with Kirk Cousins. And again, that's not me putting blame or fault on him. But tell me what they haven't done. Tell me what they haven't tried. Tell me they didn't try everything they could, because I think they have. And I don't know why they would want to continue to try something that, even though, and let me be clear, that doesn't mean that it was all bad. I mean, from a fan standpoint, two playoff appearances and one playoff victory isn't quite enough for this organization but the Wilfs have been owners for 18 years before this season, and then they've been to two NFC Championship games. That's once every nine years. My lifetime, they've been to five, and I'm 44. So that's pretty close to once every eight or nine years. You know what I mean? So at the end of the day for me, you're probably going to have doubts at first. And then after a while, you know what? Those doubts, they start to fade away. and then. They come back for a minute or two. And again, you start replaying it in your mind. Should I have done this? Could I have done something different? Tell me if you think that there was a parallel course that they could have taken that ultimately didn't end up with them moving on from Kirk or moving on from all of these other older players. Because I don't think there was. I could be wrong. And like I said, I hope Quasi can get through to them and say, hey, we got to go in a different direction. It's time to let go. It sucks that you have to let go of this. I know you don't want to. I know you desperately don't want to because you're afraid. But keeping it is, what has that done? It hasn't done anything. So that's just me. If you're listening on the Vikings First and Skull podcast, my prediction for the game will be right around the corner for the YouTube audience. Y'all going to have to tune in at 11 o'clock central time. Probably. So with all that being said, the Vikings are going to have to find a way offensively to get points without Justin Jefferson, who will be again out for the next four weeks. Prior to his injury, I said about 60, 40 leaning towards the Vikings. And if I'm being honest without Justin Jefferson at best, it's 50, 50 Kirk cousins is going to need to figure out how to run the offense and how to score points without JJ on the field. Yes, Jordan Addison and K.J. Osborne, they're going to be the one and two. Doesn't matter which one at this point is one and two because they're going to be out there now that they have snaps to fill from Justin. So with all that said, you need to get up early and get up often and get the Chicago Bears to be one-dimensional. I know. We've said it every week. Get up early and allow your defense to go buck wild against the opponents. Maybe this week they'll actually do that. 
hopefully, defensively, do not let Justin Fields go wild, whether it's passing or running. He seems to have found himself a little bit in the passing game, but he can still take off and run for 20 yards on you on third and nine. You have to maintain gap discipline. Put a spy on him. Put Ivan Pace Jr. on him or anybody else. I don't care. But once again, just like against the Philadelphia Eagles, you have to make sure that Justin Fields does not tear you apart. I know Justin Fields is nowhere near the quarterback that Jalen Hurts is, but it's the same concept. You've got a guy who has shown a little bit of promise over the last two weeks, including a 40-burger against the commanders. You've got a guy and a team that has sat three extra days than you did because they had a Thursday night game and a mini buy. You've got the Dick Buckus remembrance. I remember back in 1999 after Walter Payton passed, the first game was against the Vikings and we trailed a lot of that game, but we ultimately won the game in overtime. Gary Anderson missed a field goal at the end of regulation, and we thought, oh, my gosh, they're going to win this game. The hand of Walter Payton probably pushed that ball a little bit to the side. But alas, they did win the game in overtime. A 40-yard field goal by Gary Anderson that just cleared the crossbar. But my point in all of this is they're going to be jacked up. Their fans are going to be jacked up. Kirk, take the ball and shove it down their throats. Offense. Don't turn the ball over. Defense. Just contain Justin Fields. That's all you have to do to win this game. Final score prediction. Vikings 28, Bears 27. We get this W and at least get a reprieve for one more week and say, hey, our season is still alive. Now, what happens after that with the San Francisco 49ers? We'll deal with that next week. It would be much better to be two and five than one and six. Because if you can't beat the Chicago Bears after not beating the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home or the Chargers at home, and you've only gotten one victory against Carolina, you better beat the Bears. Losing to the Bears is almost as bad as losing to the Packers. We can't go out like that. 28-27, final score. Vikings get the victory. Those are my thoughts. Let us know yours. Join us for two old bloggers. Four o'clock central time today. We'll continue to break down the matchups and give their ultimate predictions as well. And join me on Purple and Gold for Days pregame show, 11 o'clock central on Purple and Gold for Days. One more time, if you haven't hit the subscribe button on the YouTube pages of Vikings First and Skull or Purple and Gold for Days, hit up both of our channels so that we can continue to grow this community of Vikings fans that just want to see the Vikings win one Super Bowl before we die. Thank you kindly for joining me, and as always, Skull, to the next episode. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.